Chapter Six of Peggy's Trial by Mary Knight Potter. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Leanne Howlett. Friends Forever. Elsie came around the corner of the wall, and there she found Peggy lying on the grass, sobbing as if her heart would break. For a minute, Elsie stood by bashfully. You. "'You aren't hurt, are you?' she finally asked timidly. Peggy jumped to her feet, wiping her eyes on her sleeve. "'Yes, I am,' she jerked out between sobs. "'I'm hurt all inside.' "'Oh, dear,' said Elsie anxiously. "'I didn't see you tumble.' "'Neither I did.' Peggy pulled out a very soiled handkerchief and mopped up her face. I'm hurt inside because you saved my life, I guess. Elsie opened her eyes and stared, not understanding. Peggy marched up to her bravely. Would you mind shaking hands with me? Elsie flushed a little and shook the grimy fist softly. I treated you mighty mean, said Peggy humbly, and you've had a horrid time at school, and I was just as bad or worse than anybody, and yet you saved my life. Elsie looked decidedly uncomfortable. Oh, I don't believe she'd have killed you. If she hadn't, said Peggy with decision, she'd have mangled me so I'd have had to have false arms and glass eyes and a wheelchair. And, she added with a gulp, I guess when my father knows what you've done, well, he'll, well, I don't know what he'll do but he'll surely give you the biggest kiss you ever got. Elsie flushed again and said something about, she'd have to go now. Peggy went up to her and put her arm around her waist. May I? she asked rather shamefacedly. May I go home with you? Elsie looked much astonished, but nodded silently, and the two started off, at first without a word. Peggy, however, was quite unused to keeping her tongue still for any length of time. "'How'd you know what to do with that cow?' she began. "'Why, I've always heard Red makes bulls mad,' explained Elsie, "'and when I saw the way your cape was flying, I was sure that was what made her so crazy.' "'How did you happen to be there, though?' questioned Peggy curiously. "'And how did you happen to have that red handkerchief?' Elsie flushed again. I, I heard you say you were going for chestnuts, and I thought I'd see where you went so I could get some for Mother after you'd gone, and I couldn't find a basket, so I took the bandana to put them in. Peggy's face turned redder still, and then suddenly she looked down. Did you ever? she exclaimed. If I haven't got my basket of chestnuts yet, and it's most full, to think, she fairly doubled up with laughter. To think I held on to that old thing all the time I was running away and didn't even drop it when I climbed the wall. Did you ever see anything so funny? The two laughed and laughed till all their mutual shyness was worn off, and they trotted the rest of the way home, talking like old friends. By the time they reached the little cottage, which Brownie called a hovel, Peggy had learned that Elsie's father had died only a few months ago and that she and her mother had moved to Perrytown from New York City. "'And I guess,' said Elsie mournfully, "'that we are awfully poor, for before we left New York, 
"'Somebody came and took all Mama's lovely clothes and all my nice dresses. "'I asked her why they did, and she said we shouldn't want such things in a little country town "'and that we needed the money. "'And since we've been here, we haven't had any servants.' "'Mama,' she choked a little as she said this, "'Mama has even done her own washing.' Peggy thought of Mrs. Chisholm's call on Mrs. Baker, and she felt as if she would like to give that lady a shaking. She felt so still more after she had seen Mrs. Baker, for ten-year-old Peggy would as soon have thought of asking a queen with a diamond crown to turn into a scrub-woman as to ask it of this lovely dark-eyed lady. When Peggy told her what had happened, Mrs. Baker's eyes grew big with fright, and she drew Elsie to her with a shudder. "'Oh, my dearie,' she said, "'supposing you had fallen off the wall into the pasture with the cow.' Pooh! Elsie waved away any such idea with scorn. "'Guess all my gymnasium practice wasn't going back on me that way.' That night Peggy told her father the whole story. She never forgot his face or his tones when he heard how the girls had treated Elsie just because she was poor." "'My daughter a snob, too,' was all Dr. Clayton said, but Peggy felt that any punishment would have been easier to bear. Then, when she went on and told him of her mad race across the pasture, the color all went out of his face, and he picked her up in his arms and held her close without saying a word. "'Did you ever know such a brave girl as Elsie?' finished Peggy in triumph. "'And what can we do to pay her?' "'She's not only brave,' said Dr. Clayton somewhat huskily, "'but she has the steadiest and quickest of brains. "'She ought to make a wonderful woman, Peggy, "'and it is our place to give her the chance to do her best, "'and no matter what we do, "'we shall always owe her more than we can ever pay.'" At school the next day, Peggy took her class into an empty room and told them of yesterday's happening. "'Now,' she wound up excitedly, I don't know what you're going to do, but I tell you this, Elsie Baker is my friend forever if she'll have me, and any girl that treats her mean needn't be nice to me. Mrs. Baker, too, is the sweetest lady you ever saw, and I don't think much of anybody who'd go there and ask her to take in washing. So now. Luckily, the Mrs. Chisholm who had done this deed had no children. Consequently, Peggy's sweeping remarks did not create the rumpus they otherwise might have done. Instead, the girls looked at each other a little sheepishly, till suddenly Lena Brooks rose to the occasion with much good sense. Girls, she jumped onto a chair and waved her arms over their heads. We've been a pack of silly geese, and I guess we're all ashamed. Now then, let's give three cheers for Elsie Baker. The cheers were given with all the good will in the world. When Elsie came in a few minutes later, Though there were no verbal apologies, she found herself no longer the little outcast of the day before. It was the beginning of a new and better time for both Elsie and her mother. When Dr. Clayton called on Mrs. Baker to tell her how he and Peggy owed her little girl more than they could ever repay, he discovered several things. First, that Peggy was quite right in her estimate of Elsie's mother. Next, that he had once slightly known Mr. Baker. He remembered also how it was reported that his failure in business just before he died was entirely due to a dishonest partner. That set Dr. Clayton to thinking. 
The result was that several months later he succeeded in making the partner hand over to Mrs. Baker a certain amount of money, enough at least, so that she was pretty sure of never again being in such desperate circumstances as when she came to Paratown and took the hovel. Some weeks ahead of this, however, she had accepted a position. Through the doctor's efforts, she was to be French and German teacher in a noted school in Scranton. She was not now, of course, absolutely obliged to do this work. The regular occupation, however, was the best panacea she could find for her loneliness, so she decided to keep the place for at least a year. Thus she and Elsie left Perrytown before Christmas. The two children had grown to be such friends that Peggy felt as if she were losing a dear sister. But Mrs. Baker's last words comforted her a little. "'You know, my dear,' she said, "'that now there is always another home for you in Scranton. Whenever your father can spare you, you must come to us.'" End of chapter 6